Welcome back to another episode of Interview You. This is your host, Lewis Shine. And hey, I have a special guest here on the show today. Somebody I met some years ago on a recruiting trip in her fine facility. And I um, have stayed in contact ever since. And um, she's a jewel to the game and uh, filled with wisdom and knowledge. And I wanted to bring her on today. Um, Dixie Jeffers, coach, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good under the circumstance, Lewis. And uh, thanks for having me on today to talk some basketball. Oh, no problem. Um, you know, one of the things I really wanted to do with this time that we're in and um, with everything being canceled um, and, you know, naturally everyone at home and some away from the office, some not, you know, there's a lot of professional development going on and coaches sharing things everywhere. So I wanted to do my part with this podcast platform to be able to get some people on such as yourself and just to share some things with some other coaches. So really grateful you're on and what we'll do is we'll get started. And um, I want you to tell us just, we want to go way, way back. Where did basketball start for you? Like just at the beginning. It started way before basketball started in the state of Ohio. Um, I'm a farm girl, population 500. And I grew up with six brothers. So for us to live out of town and out in the farm, that's all they ever did. They were all sports nuts, and my dad coached football. And so I didn't know any other way rather than go out and play with them and do everything with them. And I did everything. I played football. I did you know, baseball with them, um, everything you could imagine. But I fell in love with the game of basketball. Now, as far as, you know, you say you play with them a little bit, like how was your game? How would you describe your game and like your tenacity as far as being out there? Were you trying to beat them all the time or very competitive? I, I hated to lose. And so they took <laughs> no mercy on me. They would pound on me and I would get tired of it. So it made me work at my game even harder to try um, competitive. I mean, we didn't play horse and pig. We played one-on-one. And it, it uh, you went for – for the blood and for whoever's left standing. And so, yeah, I was very, very competitive. I'm still very, very competitive. And I think that's a good thing in life. It, it taught me so much um, knowing how to scrap and how to get things and where, you know, I am today is because of the, the experiences that I had years and years ago. So let's talk a little bit about just how, how coaching got started with you. How, how did you transition over? into coaching like what what was that burst out of was it an opportunity that just happened I gotta tell you I mean I I was around a father that was a total sports nut and you know I would go and get him and tell him to come out and teach me how to be a softball pitcher teach me how to do this teach me how to do that and he did so obviously I had a great relationship with my dad and um I just from sixth grade on I used to tell people I'm going to be a college coach I'm going to coach in college. I'm going to coach basketball. So it's easy to say that, but then you got to figure out how to make it happen. And so I was in the right place at the right time. And I suffered a, a really bad ankle injury when I was down at Moorhead state in Kentucky and couldn't play any longer. And I thought I'm never going to be able to be a basketball coach, but I went ahead and I studied the game, just kept studying the game and, and, and trying to stay around it and everything. And then, I'd see certain people come in to the facility um, to play against our Eagles down there. And I'd say, you know, I, I think I could do a better job than that. And I, so I just kept studying and studying and studying and started Hillsborough High School um, down in southern Ohio, down by Cincinnati. And 
while I was down there, I ended up having a pretty good basketball player uh, named Jocelyn Ames. So I started to see if I could get her a scholarship to get her out of there. The program was no program. So I was trying to build it from scratch up, but we called her Juice and she was pretty good. So I started taking her to different tryouts. And when I was down to Rio Grande in Southern Ohio, I had her a tryout and the athletic director, John Lawhorn, came out and said, I want to know who her coach is. And I raised my hand at 23, and he goes, I need to talk to you. So he took me in and said they had a basketball position open and that I was become, I came highly recommended um, from several people that he had talked to about being considered for the job. So I went ahead and applied. And I was looking some other places, too, because I wanted to leave Hillsboro just to have a better opportunity and a different avenue basketball-wise. And I was able to secure at 23 years old um, the head coaching job down at Rio Grande. And so my basketball career started. I stayed there three years, and then I came to Capitol and been here ever since. You know, with everybody being off right now, and we kind of don't even know what's going to happen. We don't know if there's going to be AAU, summer ball. You know, this thing might last and take us directly into the preseason, <laughs> you know, workouts. We don't know, but this is a great opportunity to, you know, really – look at your programs and, and kind of build it from the ground up. So we want, kind of want to talk about some of those things. What are some of the essentials? Um, and maybe you could talk from your early days and then now what you, what you know after years pass. What are some of the key essentials to um, building a program or building a culture that you would highlight that are like right at the well, top of the list? First and foremost, you have to have relationships. Um, you have to be genuine. You have to be able to work with your kids, I've been on the phone all day calling my players, just asking them how academically the things are working out online. Is there anything else I can do to try to help them from here? Safe. How's their parents? You know, have you had a ball in your hand? Just talking through a different things and just trying to keep that relationship and understand that it's more than a basketball game, that um, it's about life. And our, and our job is to help these kids understand through a game how to survive in life. So first and foremost, relationships. And then, you know, Woody Hayes said it best, you win with people. And the good coaches make it look easy because they've got the talent. And if you don't have talent, you may look like you're the worst coach in America when really you're not, but you have to be a good recruiter. So I think it's important that you know talent, that you know how to go out and communicate, build the relationships, and then you start your culture, and you start your culture through a vision. How do you want your program to present itself? You know, and I think you start with things off the court first. What does your locker room look like? What is the leadership? And you have to constantly talk about leadership and how, how we portray it and how you hold people accountable and, and the buy-in. I think you hear coaches from all over at every division about, I can't get my kids to buy in. Well, there's a lot of truth into that, and there's more so more difficult today than it was when I first started out because I think of social media, because there's so many different outlets and things for these kids to do now versus just going to school and playing basketball. You know, some of these kids, even at my level, have to continue to work to try to get through school because it's so expensive. Um, I think the demands from different people are different. I think there's a lot of different influences on the outside. So you have to have a vision. You have to have buy-in, and the kids really have to communicate that, and they have to really commit to it. And I think that's something that has to be revisited 
every three weeks within a program, are we staying on, on, on our path of our cycle of where we're trying to go to complete our vision? And I know that um, this is, I think all of this, when it's all said and done, is actually going to help um, society as a whole to be more thankful for what we have and not and a little bit more appreciative and not take things for granted. And um, I know I sure as heck miss my kids. Uh, we didn't even get to do exit interviews. And so that's something that, that's really strange right now because the kids are kind of in limbo and I'm trying to do workouts for them, things out to them as fast as I can to give them some type of normalcy. But it all starts there and then it starts to evolve from the fundamentals of basketball. I mean, I think the on-court stuff's the most easiest thing to teach. I think it's the locker room and the communication and the culture of, of understanding everybody being on board and accountable is probably the most difficult. Yeah, that's kind of really good. Um, what you mentioned at the beginning, um, you know, a slogan I've always heard is um, kids don't uh, care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, you know, with you, you know, reaching out to kids and making calls, you know, I've seen a lot of coaches doing that um, video calls, regular calls. That's kind of the way that, you know, we're, we're able to reach out to them because a lot of, you know, campuses have closed. I think there's maybe a trickle of a few campuses still kind of open, but um, I seen one today online that was still open, but um, other than everybody's closed. So just to get those calls from their coaches and their assistant coaches and reaching out to them, seeing how they're doing, I, I really think that that touches them a lot. Um, and then even talk a little bit about just that communication um, when you're on campus, like when everything is flowing smoothly, because there, there, there's, there's, there's opportunity for coaches to only see kids at practice or at individuals or maybe peek their head in a study table. But outside of that, you know, that can't be the only communication. Maybe talk about how you've done things or set up strategic things while in well, regular, we're a regular session. session. Um, we like to do some community projects um, helping the, the homeless. We've done some clinics and so forth um, with underprivileged kids. And that gives us a, a different light um, for us. I'm very, very thankful that last summer, we were able to travel as a team to Italy. And I, I look at everything right now and it seems so surreal. But when you have opportunities to have those times together, you really, really build and bond. And um, a lot of people don't give these young people credit, enough credit that they really do know it's better than we think. And I think they find out in times like this that we really know them better than what they think. And how you do that is when I'm on campus, I wanna see my kids. So you have to make time to take out every maybe two weeks in your schedule, which is difficult to have your kids just come through and say, hey, how's things going academically? Hey, what's going on? And, and they just start to open up. I, I had a young freshman come in um, about four weeks ago. and She come walking in. She goes, coach, you got to help me with my life. And I said, why do I need to help you with your life? I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> So we sit down and we went through different avenues of what she could do because she's an incredible math major and different things that she could do with it. And I sent her over to the career center to, to have them try to help her and so forth. And we're getting to where she needs to be, but just things like that, they need to know. Um, we are their extension from home. We are their, their lifeline of trying to keep their heads on. And I'm not there to babysit because I want them to make mistakes and I want them to venture out to be able to grow, to become that, that young woman that they want to be. But at the same time, we, we are a huge piece to their life and we have to stay connected. 
Yeah, that, that's really good stuff. And, and I really like the the piece that you mentioned on just the, you know, being able to travel to Italy. I mean, a lot of those places that you go to, you you, don't, you only have each other. And, you know, you have your long plane rides or, you know, long train or bus or whatever the method of transportation may be. And so, you know, you have each other. So um, just one of those key things, as well as you mentioned, team building and things like that. So you know, I really enjoy hearing those kind of things because I think sometimes those things, what that's what makes a team. It's um, those bonding times that, you know, everyone doesn't see, you know, you have the people that see on the court or they might peek their head in practice or, you know, but they don't see those intricate times that you have in the transition to games away from games, uh, team meetings, you know, different things like that. Um, now with you being down at Capitol, of course, you know, I've, I watched from afar, you know, I've been there a couple of times to talk with you, but just um, and talk with you on the phone. And, and, you know, one of the things I noticed with the program is, there's just an excellence there um, that I, I've known that you've built over years. And so when you walk into a gym, when you look at the trophies, when, you know, I see the players maybe working the clock or different things like that at the tournaments that I've been in there. Um, there's just an excellence. There's an aura about it. Like speaking to the culture, what are maybe a few things that you've done internally to set the culture, whether that's team rules, whether that's um, some you know, just different things they have to follow, methods that you've employed. What are some of the things that you can well, speak to concerning that, that? I start from day one is, is, is teamism. And it's about the love of the program. It's about the love for one another and how we catch one another's back. I, I talk about that before they ever even hit campus as a whole. And then when they hit campus, we talk about being a good person. We talk about were you the best person you could have been today and were you the best teammate that you could have been to another teammate today. We constantly preach that. And, you know, I, I brought Abby Wambach's book in. I usually am big on letting the kids read a book, especially in the summer, about the wolf pack. There's so many things we do to try to build our culture. And it's, it's, it's about the selflessness. Even in recruiting, I tell recruits, don't come here unless you are a, a selfless person because we're going to ask you to give things to other people as a whole. We're going to ask you to give up things as time and, and commitment and so forth. And if you're really not willing to do that, this is not the program you want to come to. I do strive for excellence, and we talk about what that looks like, and we start with the classroom first. You know, you got to be the best student. And then what kind of basketball player do you want to be? Not everybody's going to be an All-American. Not everybody strives to be an All-American. Not everybody strives to be – um, at first team, all conference. Um, so it's, it's different levels. So I'm going to communicate differently for each player. So if I have a young lady that says, Coach, I came here to be an All-American, and I say, okay. This so we start to take, take them down that road. This is what it's going to take. And the kid goes, Coach, I just want to be part of it, okay? This is how you're going to fit into the just being part of it. And so you've you got to work in different avenues. And so you can't – I treat everybody the same when it comes to discipline. And as far as rules, we try not to have too many rules, especially in today's society. Um, we, we talk a lot to our kids about what rules do you want to set, what can you live with, and we talk through that and communicate through that. But basically for me, and it's always been for me, is that don't do anything to embarrass your parents or to embarrass this program. That's really a simple rule, but it covers a lot of ground. And we know that we're not going to have angels and we know that kids are going to 
do different things. But if you put a lot of rules out there, um, they're going to get broken. And then you're going to put yourself up against the back, your back up against the wall to try to go ahead and, and deal with that. Not that I'm afraid to deal with anything coming at me like that, but I try to limit it as much as we can. And I try to have these kids buy into the love of the game and that they're students first. The game is, is going to open up a lot of doors for them. And from their experience overall, that's what's going to make them successful. Really good stuff there. And I, and I, I heard you mention the word in there, family. Um, you know, in building a, a culture, you know, it's not just um, from what I've seen, and you can tell me on your end, um, it's not just the coach-player relationship. That's family. Sometimes it's the extended family, whether that's your alums, whether that's, you know, even other sports that you're connected with or you cross paths with more common than others, you know, on your campus, parents, heard you mention that a little bit. Um, tell us how important that has been to you in terms of having those extended kind of family um, people with, you know, that are connected to the program and that may sew back, whether they come back, you know, come back to speak or things like that. How have you employed that within your program? successful uh, alumni that continue to come back. You know, we've had national players of the year. We've had all Americans. We've had anybody you can think of. Uh, we've had kids that have gotten full ride scholarships that have went on to medical school after their, their stints at Capitol and so forth. Um, our parents are involved. Um, I'm not one to take our parents and put them into every avenue that I do, but I have a great relationship with our parents and our parents travel where to watch us play we have a huge contingency i don't shut them off i allow them to stay in the same hotel that we stay in um i want to build that family atmosphere and and uh, to have open dialogue and i only have one rule we're not going to talk about your kids playing time you want to talk about academics and you want to talk about anything else i want to have that relationship with them and i've been very very blessed um because because of our success in our program, longevity-wise, our kids are so willing to come back and, and continue to give to the program. This past year, I just had one of our alums that her, her, during her freshman year quarterbacked us to our second national championship, and she's now on staff as a part-time. It's, it's been eye-opening and so rewarding to have her back and to see how she views things now and how, have her try to help instill in these kids some of the things that we had when she was here. And she's looked at me many times. She goes, Coach, how have things changed? And they, they have drastically. And so there's different approaches. But to watch her work with the kids and, and the, the commitment and the love that she showed these kids and the openness was really cool for me to, to go back and, and watch her work now as a coach. Wow, that's amazing. It's always good when you have players come back. It just shows that it's almost like a parent, which I, I'm not a parent yet, but just from gazing from the outside, you know, it's kind of like that kind of relationship where you, you in, in in a sense, raise these kids through your program during their college years, and now they come back. It shows kind of how, you know, they've, they've, they've bought into what you've taught them, and now they're coming back. To, to, to instill something in those that are coming up. Like how rewarding is that for you um, when, when, when you, you know, look back over your years and now you kind of sit back and you say, wow, you know, that's amazing. Like how I'll rewarding you, is that for you? The phone calls that I get, you know, 10 years after some of these kids have been in the program back out and to be able to work with my, my former player as I am now, um, 
it's very, very rewarding. It is like being a parent. You're really, really proud. Uh, I think, you know, I never question what I teach because I teach life skills. So I, I'm always trying to teach and put implement life program constantly. And I know they're paying off because the success rate that these kids have had has been incredible. And I think that what bothers me more than anything is if I feel, feel like I failed a student athlete. So for me, if you come to Capital University as a basketball player, a student athlete, and you decide, hey, I can't hang with this for four years, that student athlete is still my responsibility. And I never turn my back on that, that young woman. I always say my door is always open to you. If you need anything, come back. I'll help channel it because I feel a huge responsibility that I brought them to Capitol. Yes, I brought them to Capitol first for a student, but I also brought them there as a basketball player. But I still had a hand in them landing at Capitol, and I still feel responsible until they graduate. And even afterwards, if they would call me, I would still give them advice. Man, that's really awesome right there. It's great to hear that, you know, and I think, uh, you know, being a coach myself and just to hear from other coaches, you have that rewarding feeling, and it really does so much for you. It really almost extends the longevity of your career because those things happen. I mean, those certain, you know, um, opportunities, you know, come along for you to be able to nurture a player, and then they come back and, and they continue to sow into your program. It's a profession that it keeps on going. There, 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 there. I mean, I, I'm only, I just turned 40, but, you know, I couldn't imagine like years later when it's time to retire to have that feeling. It's just like, it's hard to walk away from it, you know? And, and I see why coaches coach a very long time. So it's an amazing thing. Um, as we turn this corner, let's kind of talk about the on-court a little bit. Maybe some of the values that um, you carry over from the off the court. Now you're on the court. So, you know, you've taught the players these things. And so, you know, you've had success, you a couple of national championships there. Um, and, you know, what are some of the things that you live by in term, terms of what you instill in your players in order to get the performance that I you're think, looking for? You know, I expect so much of myself. So I, I lead by example. Um, I am a demanding person um, on and off the court of myself. And I expect whoever I surround myself with on a daily basis that they too give that. And um, what's really neat is, is the different diversity of the team. Every team always has a joker. And I think a joker is very, very important, especially with my demeanor and, and my mindset, because every now and then you need that kid to kind of loosen things back up. Um, I just want uh, yeah. kids to come in and approach the game with passion and to play it as hard as they can play it and to give everything they have. Now, if we fall short in that process, did you give everything you had? And they say yes, then that's all I can expect of them. And I think you attack life the same way. Give it everything that you have and be satisfied. Um, not always wondering, not be lazy. Just go out and attack the game with passion. And it starts on the defensive end with me. I, um, you know, I, I love to score as a player as an individual, but I could D it up. And I just think our national championships and our success has come from, yes, we could score, but it always started on the defensive end for us of being able to create havoc and to sit down and really guard people and, and, and be physical on that end of it and be a good rebounding team. And then 
the offense is going to come because that's the first thing everybody does as soon as they hit the gym. They start working on their game of shooting the basketball. I think one of the things that has deteriorated over the lot, the years and that we have gotten away from is the ball handling skills. And I, and I just constantly find myself harping on putting a ball in your hand and, and becoming better ball handlers. And I see that no matter where I go. And high school basketball, I would love the state of Ohio to put the shot clock in to increase the, the ability of ball handling skills to become better. Ball handling, I love that. And then you talk about the shot clock. That has been such a topic, um, I mean, for years. You know, I've always thought that it, it really would enhance and prepare uh, players for the next level because when you get to the next level, you have the shot clock. And I think, like you mentioned, the, the AAU, I think that would have that they have the freedom to be able to do that more so in terms of implementing it in a lot of different high school associations. That, that may be a little harder task. So to, to like you mentioned, to to get that going, it, it could serve as a model, you know, for now the high schools to have it, um, you know, implemented within you know their association. So, um, man, this thing is uh went very fast. I mean, basketball. You know, you talk basketball. It's it does. It, time it just does. goes. <laughs> you know, but one of the things on as we close here, um, you know, you said a lot of things on here, and I want I want to also mention um one of the things that I really noticed in coming down to Capital, um, fine university, beautiful facilities, um, but I feel the the um, togetherness there, you know, the support. Uh, what does it mean to you to have that, have had that support from the university, from from your um, the people above you um, in what you um, do? I really do? don't know if I have the words yet because I'm still um, in the midst of everything. So you don't take a lot of time to, to reflect on certain things that you probably should. I've been incredibly blessed. When I came to Capitol, they looked at me and said, keep us on the national level. And then they got out of my way. And uh, I've gotten creative over the years, um, but the fan base, the, the institution has been incredibly, incredibly um, supportive to me. And I, I'll tell you how crazy it was. One year, Lewis, we went uh, 29 and four and I'm doing a radio talk and they said, Dixie, you know, you're having a down year. And I just started laughing and I said, we're 29 and four. <laughs> But to them, that was a down year, and that puts things in perspective. And for me, when that time came where the years weren't going so good, that's when you really find out who's supporting you. And I will tell you, the people at Capitol stayed right beside me through all that. And they endured, you know, some, some lean years there for a while. We haven't had too many, but we had a few. And uh, But they stayed supportive, and I've been incredibly blessed. And to be in the area that I'm in and, but it comes from the type of people that we're able to lure the capital. Uh, the, the credit goes to the student athletes that have bought into what I was selling and how they presented themselves. I couldn't be more proud um, out of all the kids that I have coached in all my years. I would say 95, 98% of those kids have been so solid and that I would recruit them all over again. Amazing, amazing, amazing. This is great stuff here. Um, lastly, you know, we have our coaches on shutdown now. Uh, many, many coaches are at home working from home. I mean, I've even saw where some coaches are doing their staff meetings from home. You know, everything's shut down. But it's such a great 
uh, moment to increase yourself, learn from last season, grow towards next season. Um, you said many things, dropped many nuggets, but if you could just leave one thing um, with our coaches that are listening, because there's many on here that are checking this podcast out, um, during this time, what's some advice or something that you could leave with our coaches that's listening that will be dear to their heart that they can get off of this podcast and, and kind of take with them and, and, I'll tell you, I'm not and go for it during this time? From a technology standpoint, but I reached out to one of my former players and I said, send me all the instructions on how to do Zoom because I'm going to do a Zoom with my kids and just to put us all into some type of format together and just talk to each other and, and revisit some things is first and foremost. The second thing I've been doing is getting ready for next year. I've been doing a lot of different shooting drills that I want to do and preparing notes and preparing what I want to do. I'm preparing workouts for my kids. I'm trying to find some type of normalcy for these young 18 to 22 year olds that are so confused at this point in time. And I'm in my sixties. So I'm confused with what's going on. I can't imagine what's going on with them. And you know, we're dealing with some kids that are highly um, have high anxiety and it's very, very important that we try to level that off. And I feel a responsibility as a coach to, to stay in communication with that type of student athlete, but we just need to work and continue to work at the game and to share um, technology allows us to do FaceTimes. We can Skype, share things, keep, just keep going and keep sharing things like this. The podcast is not, not because I'm on it. You're trying to do good things for other coaches and we just can't sit back and sit here and say, what if I asked one of my players today, I said, can we take advantage of this situation or are we going to use this as an excuse? She's like, no, coach, we got to take an advantage. And I said, yes, we got to move forward. That's really good stuff right there. And, and that's, that's the, my takeaway as well. we got to keep moving forward and not making any excuses. So thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to be on today. Um, it's really amazing. You, you're one of the coaches that I, I hold, you know, um, you're, you're high in my eyes because of what you've done and just your willingness to share. You, you know, anytime I've reached out, you've always been willing to share just talk, you know, and just share of yourself and what you've done. And I so appreciate that. And from even the other coaches that are listening, um, you know, on, on the behalf of them, I want to say thanks. Hey, everybody, that was Coach Dixie Jeffers, Capital University. Um, amazing interview there. Um, thank you guys so much for listening in. Uh, we're going to keep these going. Um, to listen to this again, you can um, visit my website, lewisshine.com, and click on podcasts, or you can go to our Twitter and Instagram at interview you pod that's at interview you pod to check out the latest episodes um, of this mini uh, coaching clinic slash conference that we're doing. I'm um, doing this time of shutdown. So until next time, guys, thank you for listening in. Um, thank you for tuning in to interview you. We'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>